This time, on episode 427 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the 1992 X-Men animated series season 3 episodes 14, 15, and 16 as presented on Disney+, and weekly Marvel Studio news, including the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, box office numbers for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Disney Plus sharing some Loki Emmy event photos. I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom. Part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnerGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen by the little company that could, Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Thursday, May 26, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast mutant X-Men wide, including the X-Factor team. Come and join our live chat as we record, because we love talking about Marvel. Because of monorails. If you just want to talk about monorails, maybe head on over to our website, legendsofshield.com. If you want to sing us the song from The Simpsons, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. It's 844-843-2871. If you want to see some hot takes about monorails, grab a bag of popcorn and head on over to Twitter. And be sure to tag us at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash geek. If you want to argue with us about how monorails would be better if you added another track to go with it, good place to do that might be our Discord server over at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. I think we found our in. I think we found our cross between the now Marvel Cinematic Universe and Walt Disney World because now they can have the X-Men monorail that's running through all the parks. I'd be down with that. It's like, hey, I'll meet you at the monorail. The secret monorail that nobody knows. Like, okay, monorail. I haven't heard that term in a long time. Well, I just said it's at Disney World. Yes, it is. But monorail is not a mass transit anywhere in the country. Although now that I say that, uh, I think there's a monorail. I think there's actually two monorails in Vegas that run behind the strip on both sides. Uh, but it's all entertainment based, right? It's all Walt Disney World. It's not like in New York City and Chicago or LA it's at theme parks in Vegas, which is basically a theme park. All right. So we'll get more into the secret monorail in just a second. We have been going down the X Men 92 series as presented on Disney Plus. We're in the middle of season three right now. I had a lot of fun watching these episodes. Are you ready to talk about it? Yes. These were so much fun. Let's do it. All right, here we go. 
previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Went back to the calendar of 1994 and said, what day of the week was November 12th, 1994? It was a Saturday. So basically, this is all about the Dark Phoenix saga. That's what it's called. Okay. Is this perfect? No. But it's still a better story in 80 minutes than those two live action movies. The last time we left Jean, she was literally flying into the sun. Then all of a sudden we see Jean in some kind of a treatment center. They couldn't have done a previously on about it or something. Because we don't really get a lot of, a lot of information beforehand about the Hellfire. Oh, wait. The Circle Club. A redhead. Which, of course, Scott gets interested in because there's something about Scott and redheads that that's his motif that he likes and he's going to roll with it for better or much, much, much worse. It almost seems like he wanted to choose Dazzler, but he knew he had something going on with Gene. But no, I'm going to dip because this girl I just met kind of has some trouble the night before. Chris is right at the beginning. Who is the bigger jerk this time, Cyclops or Professor X? And that was the wonderful previously on as presented by Agent Chris. Thank you very much for taking your time, talent, and electrons in order to assemble that for us. And thank you, Michelle, for giving me a way to end it by letting me hear someone say that I was right. Every once in a while, one of I you is correct. I take the wins when I can get them. Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. A clock is right twice a day, right? Okay. Broken clock is right twice a day. All right, let's get into these episodes. The episodes that we're covering tonight aired season three, episodes 14 through 16 on Fox Kids in 1995. Season three, episode 14, Cold Comfort, aired on Saturday, February 14th, 1995. Season three, episode 15, Orphans End, aired on Saturday, February 25th, 1995. And yes, I went back to a calendar from 1995 and I did confirm that these were Saturday dates. And then Season 3, Episode 16, The Juggernaut Returns, aired on Saturday, May 6th, 1995. Michelle, what are the descriptions of these episodes? Cold Comfort. Iceman, a former X-Man, is caught sneaking into a federal warehouse. He is captured by his former team, but Jubilee tries to help him. Orphans in. Corsair is on the run from Shi'ar authorities who demand that Cyclops turn him over to them. The Juggernaut returns. Juggernaut's life is at risk when someone else uncovers the ruby of Cytorak and claims the powers of Juggernaut for himself. All right, lots going on in these three episodes, a lot more than I thought going into them before I watch them. I have not seen any of these episodes. I'm watching them for the first time. Chris and Michelle have watched them way back in the 90s. I think Chris was, I don't know, six months old when they came out. Chris, what were your initial impressions with the episodes as we were watching them this time? Well, this time, I saw them as just a bunch of beach episodes like this one is an anime. You go in, you have your adventure where you are, and then you just pack things up and leave. And the adventure is only living on in your heart. Have you ever wondered what the term fan service means? Well, these episodes help explain the concept. These are a triple three episodes that really help deepen the X-Men universe because you get a lot of backstory into three characters. One character is like the background of the X-Men themselves. And then you have background 
into Cyclops because we need more background in Cyclops. Then you have more background into Professor Xavier and then his brother, which that was okay. We'll talk about that. I think the biggest thing to talk about in these three episodes, uh, there's arguably a lot to talk about. I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about is Scott finds out who dad is. Exactly. If you watch the episodes before, you remember when Jean saw that and she didn't say anything, which is true. It's Corsair's thing to say. It's interesting how they found out Scott has the uh, locket, dog tags. He opens it up and he's just like, why you have got a picture of me and my mom and my brother? It's like, well, that's my family. No, that's my family. And of course, Scott has this knee-jerk reaction of being a dick. But this is a case where Cyclops is justified in being a dick. Because when your world shatters in that way, he has this emotional reaction. You know, I was in the orphanage. I thought my parents were dead. You went off, became a space pirate. Those emotions are valid. And again, this is the one time when Cyclops being a jerk is completely justified. Well, like 98% justified because you do have the very common X-Men problem of just a little bit of communication would have solved a lot of this. And the communication issue here was Scott maybe listening when he's asking Corsair what the heck was going on instead of just yelling at him. and. Oh, you're supposed to be my dad. You're supposed to be there for me and everything, which is true. But when you shove your kid out of a plane, I think that kind of opens up the door to there's going to be some shenanigans going on throughout the rest of your life. There might be shenanigans going on, but he got out of whatever predicament he was in and he was able to go back to Earth and try to find his son, sons for a very long time and he didn't do it. That's an issue, I would think. Also, how long do you think Cyclops was practicing that speech for the day that he just might run into his dad, who he thought it was dead, but how long do you think he was practicing that? If I know Scott Summers, he was practicing that like every day. He'd like wake up, he'd brush his teeth, and as he's brushing his teeth, two things he thought about was, Jeed! And when I see my dad, I'm going to tell him how rotten it was in the orphanage. From before he hit the ground in the parachute. Possibly. On Corsier's side, he did watch his kids plummet to their possible death. He got kidnapped by the Shi'ar, watched his wife die. Of course, the wife's got to die because of man pain and superheroes can't have two parents. I can see why he would basically become Star-Lord and have that juvenile reaction almost of it's like oh, these spill jammer people saved me and i'm going to become their captain and space pirate all right so all this happened in the episode orphans end by the way we're talking about scott finding out about his dad and the whole contrived way that they actually found out about it i have no idea if this is comics book accurate or not but the whole Shi'ar guard, who they fought with before, 
has turned out to be this bad guy who is trying to kill a, I don't know, a witness, a prisoner, or something like that. It was just contrived, in my opinion, to get Corsair and Scott together. And then this is the episode where they have the monorail, so you get to see the secret monorail going on. Maybe a Voltron vibe going on there, where, you know, you got a secret monorail that goes out to the giant fighting robot that they might need because, well, they're mutants and you never know when you're going to need giant fighting robots. You guys ever see Voltron? Yes. Do you know what you call someone who says they don't need a giant fighting robot? What? A liar. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, I don't know why they have this monorail. It's just this, I don't know where it goes. They just have this monorail. It's almost as though perhaps they had this animated footage for a different episode and someone was just like, I drew this and we have got to use it somewhere. And now there's going to be some weird voiceover of, I'll meet you at the monorail. And they have it. And who runs it? And my goodness, the expansion is just an energy hog. Can you imagine the bills? My goodness, the electricity bills. There's obviously a lot of people there. So I can understand the high water bills, but you're running this monorail now and you've got the hangar. Wow. I know exactly where they get the energy for it and who maintains it. It's the same people that have the machinery that caused the Savage Land to work. That also produces enough electricity to go all the way or power to go all the way to the X mansion, mutant mansion, whatever the X for the school. And they get power out of that. So they get free power from the Savage Land. The unknown entity that is maintaining it also maintains this secret underground monorail. I mean, what a win. I, I, it's just a bonus for the bottom line of Professor X. I have to imagine that it's solar powered somehow so that you can generate your own power and have it going off the grid. Don't really worry about anything and nobody noticing that you're using that much power. But what do you think happens when they get power cuts out there? Maybe Storm does something? Pretty sure the danger room malfunctions. Of course. So, yeah. All right, well, that's it from that episode. You guys got anything else about that particular episode? No. In the end, Dad was right about the MacGuffin that needed to be protected, and Father and Son got to hang out, which I assume the question of, where's your brother? happened off screen i would assume so especially since in the episode before talking about his brother we meet havoc and x factor which okay a lot of characters right oh yeah this is again fan service we got havoc and polaris which is the lorna's cult code name strongman wolfsbane forge multiple man quicksilver when All of a sudden, I saw multiple man and everything. I'm like, going, I forgot they brought in X Factor. This is amazing. I know it was one of these episodes of let's have some angst, but let's have a reason for two teams to fight each other so we could have one big fight. I don't care. It was amazing. 
I like these characters and we had the Havoc and Scott moment, which if you don't know, there's this mutant rule about people related and their mutant powers not being able to impact each other in a direct way. Scarlet Witch can, of course, do her thing, which would eventually hurt Magneto. But in order to go up against Magneto, there's rules. I don't know if those rules are still comic book accurate, but at the time that this was out, this was comic book accurate. I know currently you still at least have Cyclops and Havoc with their thing going because Havoc absorbs power and is able to use it back and Cyclops pushes the power out. But seeing all these characters in here and being able to try to figure out how to use a past tense verb for a future event. When I was telling Kaylee, hey, remember that time we had saw, I don't know, Forge already before in the future? That was a really fun sentence to try to put together. And I somehow messed it up again because I don't know grammar. Yeah, but we saw Forge in the Days of Future Past episodes. But that was the future. It was an alternate timeline. Oh, no. The last time we saw Forge, he was like going off into the sunset with Cable, right? Yes. But that's in the future. Yes, that is in the future. In a future that might or may not exist. Anyway, yeah. For This was not the first time that we saw Forge in the series. We can say that. I'm pretty sure. Well. I'm pretty sure we could say that because these were aired out of order, but I'm pretty sure that already aired by the time we got to here. All the cameos. You guys didn't even talk about the best cameo. It was the Laurel and Hardy cameo at the very beginning when the security guards were getting iced over by Bobby. That was in there. Wolverine's epic swat at his alarm to turn it off. That was an internet meme for a while. And still is when people look at it so that is in this episode cold comfort jubilee it was very minimized during these three episodes and she complained about being a candy striper which is somebody that helps out at a hospital and kind of a cross between an orderly and just like patient care patient comfort that sort of thing and she was complaining about that that's what they were called back in the day candy stripers uh as far as I know, that might be a good use for her for these three episodes because she was just enamored by Bobby and then couldn't fly a jet. And then really, I don't think she was too involved in the juggernaut or the uh, Cyclops with the shark. So, yeah, there's that. Let's play fight again. I didn't mind the episodes. Well, once I figured out, OK, these episodes are just a big thing of getting the mutants together in order to fight each other so they could show the fights on the screen. Yeah, that's what that all episode was about, was just getting them together. And Forge even admitted, well, I might have not have told you because, well, we wanted to fight back and forth. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the deal. You have one team which has a very lethal force to it, Wolverine alone with the pointy knives, right, that is fighting to the death against this other team that's just fighting for practice. Okay, nothing can go wrong there, right? Oh, no, they'll be perfectly fine, especially considering that X-Factor is a bunch of teenagers. And Lorna, did she really have to upset her apartment 
you know, overturn her apartment in her fake abduction. It's like, I wanted to sneak away here. Let me be overly dramatic about it. It's like, lady, you just send him a text or just ghost him or something. You just leave. You just say, Bobby, I'm out of here. I break up with you. But this whole like stage kidnapping is, of course, he's going to come after you. He loves you. He's not going to be like, oh, my girlfriend's kidnapped. Whatevs. All right, let me go back to being an accountant. No. Have you ever snuck somebody out of an apartment? If I say yes, will you not ask for the circumstances? Uh, yeah, I can follow along with that. Okay. I know I have. And what we did, you pack up all the things that you can have them not notice are gone, and you wait till you know they're going to be gone all day, and then you get three friends with trucks, and you just get everything out, and you never come back. Apparently, she didn't have a lot of friends, because her post-getting out of the X-Men, her only sole thing to her life was Bobby, and she didn't want Bobby anymore, so... Maybe she didn't have friends. Well, she had that love. She had some life because Forge found her. So it's not like she sat at home all day and knitted or whatever. No, I was. I would assume that she had some sort of a job. I don't know what it is. And then Bobby as an accountant, that's laughable, right? So a mutant member of the X-Men being an accountant that in my mind, I immediately went to the Ghostbusters, right? And their accountant, right? So it's not the same, but it's kind of how I was dealing with it mentally. All right. Then the other episode that we saw today was the Juggernaut Returns. This was my least favorite out of the three. I don't know about you guys. I mean, there was funny moments in it, but it was like, why are we even? Because at the very end, nothing had changed. You still had Juggernaut, which was a big pain in the rear end for Professor X. And still wanted to stop Professor X, but just like walked away because, okay, I've had enough today, but tomorrow I'm going to go back too. It's like, uh, I, don't, I just don't get it. Kane, which is Juggernaut's real name, has given Charles a lot of real estate in his head. Charles Xavier has a life. He's got other friends. He's the head of the school. He's loved and lost Moira and Leandra and who knows who else. While Kane has been projecting all of his inadequacies and anger onto Charles because he can, we don't know if the father is dead. He's probably dead. But Charles learns that his stepdad was a gold digger and a liar. It hints as though he killed his mom. That I got that impression, but Kane was yelled at to be nice to Charles because of this scheme. He should have been angry at his dad, but I can understand this is my dad. I love my dad. I'm going to direct it at this guy who my dad likes right now better than me because he got money and I got none, and I'm going to be set away and I'm not going to be able to come back and charles tries to be a decent stepbrother but kane's just got a lot of anger and he still has it that's not that's sad 
that's really just pathetic that you got this crystal and you do this just to kill your brother and you don't want to do anything else? Dude, get a life, man. The whole thing with Juggernaut here, for one, I really love that as you're watching the beginning of the episode, if you aren't super familiar with the Juggernaut story, you're maybe wondering if this is kind of past and present interweaving with each other, seeing how he got his powers in the first place. You know, later we realize that that's not the case. But, I mean, how much... I don't know. Like, what I really like here is that while you don't see exactly how Kane Marco got the powers, you do see that he is not a mutant. He is not like Charles. He is his own person in this. But yeah, it's really sad that he can't separate out the hatred that his dad made him feel from the reason for that hatred, even though Charles didn't have anything to do with it. So this is the episode where you get the Hulk cameo because Xavier is using Hulk in the danger room to try to slow down Juggernaut until the X-Men return, right? Because they're off doing other things, not being at the mansion, which I got to stretch my head. They got to figure out a way to protect the mansion without like all going out. Anyway, and then this is the episode where Juggernaut comes back because last we saw him, he was in the water out of Europe. So basically he spent the last, I don't know how many months walking about 3,500 miles underwater to get to the United States so he could go after Professor X again. And he did the whole trip without running into Namor. That's pretty impressive. I'm trying to figure out how he got over the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. Just walked under it. Walked over it, yes. I mean, yeah, I, you know, are you talking about like the Abyss uh, Trench? No, um, the Mid-Atlantic Ridge is where, um, you know, the the magma's coming up and separating the plate over and over again. So I guess he was able to just walk across molten material. I guess that makes sense. That or he hitched a ride with a whale or something. Okay, I need fan art of that. Juggernaut holding on to a whale as it's going over the ridge. (laughs) The person who makes the best fan art will get a no prize directly from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right. I'll sign up for that. All right. Three episodes. I said it before. Kind of gave more depth to the mutants because you get backstory. You get family moving ahead and stuff like that including Scott's mom looking surprisingly like Jean. So maybe he has mommy issues. I don't know. Oedipus. But that's what we got. And that's what they were. So Michelle, you found a link between these three episodes. Yeah. These three episodes have the theme of family, whether it's the father son dynamic of Bobby and Xavier and the brotherly antagonistic with Scott. Scott seems to be like the older brother who gets angry that the younger brother gets away with being mischievous. But he's got to be the apple polisher, which is, I think, one of the best terms about Cyclops. You got poor Scott finding out about his parents. And then you have the brothers 
Charles and Kane in Juggernaut Returns. It's just, it's very interesting. These three bottle episodes or beach episodes do actually have something in common. Yeah, family here is a big important thing. And honestly, I'm surprised I didn't catch that myself. I think I was just caught up in the fights and the cameo appearances too much. But seeing this familial interaction with everybody and having a different one presented in each episode, I think is a really, really big plus. And just X-Men is all about found family anyway. And so being able to see all these different kind of family relationships, I think is just a really good thing. And I'm glad that they could fit it into a Saturday morning cartoon. So I'm surprised of two things, Chris. I'm surprised you didn't bring up the huge fighting monsters that Xavier brought up in order to scare away the military men and the federal men in the first episode. Well, they were much too scary and I was trying to block them out. Oh, okay. So you were running away too, right? I was hiding under the blanket with my stuffed Appa. And the other thing was that the quality of animation went back up for these episodes, I would say. They probably made them earlier when they had a bigger budget. Yeah, especially the monorail scene where they were trying to find a place to fit it in. Hey, we even got a Power Rangers cameo. I completely forgot about that. That was amazing. And you got a little bit of the Power Rangers theme going in there, too. Well, that's not surprising, considering the person that created the music is also the person that created the Power Ranger music, right? All right, Chris, did you watch this with Kaylee? I did. I watched almost all of them with Kaylee. She gets really mad at me when I watch any of these without her. Cool. What were her favorite parts? She... Hmm. That one was tough, because she really liked all of these episodes. But I think mostly for her, she liked seeing the Juggernaut backstory. And she didn't know a lot about Juggernaut anyway. So the reveal that his powers are magic-based and not mutant-based was something new for her. Which is entirely my fault. I should have told her that before. I'm not a mutant! I'm a human being! Michelle, did you watch this with your mom at all? No. She's been watching other things like This Is Us. Oh, network TV, linear TV. Go figure. All right. That's all I have to say about this one in the future. We're still on season three, episodes 19 through 17. Yes, I said that backwards. So next time we'll be seeing season three, episodes 17 through 19, The Lotus and the Steel. No mutant is an island and obsession so stay tuned next week as we get into that in the meantime we have some phenomenal news stories which we're going to try not to spoil chris about of course the big thing this week is the thor love and Thunder trailer. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's bright. There's a lot of colors. There's a lot of fighting. And of course, there's a lot of quipping. We got Thor being surprised Jane has Mjolnir or Meow Meow, as SP likes to call it. We've learned 
Thor's a bit of a creepy ex-boyfriend. If you know the exact time you've been apart, it means she's had a lot of real estate in your head and heart. You haven't forgotten about her. We've got the God Killer Gore in action. And of course, the line everyone is already talking about, you know, Ragnarok. It was like, you know, I know him from work. He's my friend from work. Now we've got you flicked too hard because Thor gets naked. And Valkyrie and Jane are sitting in chairs, like eating popcorn, going, should we help him? It's like later. We'll help him later. So on the screen, it is projected as if he's naked, but we don't know for sure if he was naked on set. Matter of fact, I'd probably say, no, he's not naked on set. And that was just a little CGI going at it. But yeah, you flick too hard. This is all news to me because I have decided that I am already going to see this movie and I'm just not going to watch the trailers. I know people are going to tell me things. I don't care. That's just how I decided I want to watch the movie. Well, that's good because I was going to say that I'm glad I watched this because I found out who Zeus was going to be. And I'm sure we covered the casting news before. And I found out who the God Killer was, which... I'm less enthused about that casting the more and more I think about it. I'm just not a fan of his, but there you go. That it was an amazing trailer. I'm glad we got it. And now that's two amazing trailers out of Thor. And it's still got some runway before we see the actual movie. And here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're still waiting to see Doctor Strange 2 when it comes out on Disney+. Plus. When it does, we will review it. And talking about Doctor Strange, got some box office news. Yes, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness passes the Batman with $800 million at the box office. The two biggest box office totals in the pandemic era now belong to Marvel Cinematic Universe. Spider-Man No Way Home broke box office records when it was released back in December and now boasts one of the biggest theatrical halls in history. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness hasn't quite reached those heights, but it has joined its MCU counterpart in Elite Company, becoming the second biggest box office performer since 2020. It also passed this year's other big comic book movie hit, The Batman. This weekend, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness passed $800 million at the global box office. As far as pandemic-era movies go... That's good enough for a second overhaul behind Spider-Man No Way Home's $1.89 billion. The weekend saw Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange sequel pass the Batman, which is at $768.5 million, and No Time to Die, which is at $774.3 million. So far, my dollars have been exactly zero of that. We keep thinking we're ready to go to a theater, maybe catch an early show while the church crowd is still at church or something, and then we decide we don't feel like leaving the house. You know, interestingly enough, I was out and about on Wednesday morning at about 11 o'clock, which is where some of the early movies start, and I was driving through the parking lot of the movie theater, and there was like three or four cars there. That would have been a good time, I think, to go. That was just yesterday, by the way, to go see a movie. But I had other things to do, so I just kept on going. But yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. A lot of non-COVID illnesses are going around right now. And with people not masking, they're just perpetrating. I got very sick last, or was that last week or two weeks ago? I got very sick 
and had to deal with that and that was non-covid related yeah just protecting myself a little bit from all things right now and i think a lot of other people are besides the summer and people are starting to go outside now and do summer like things so We'll see what the box office continues to do as the sweltering heat of the summer comes. People might lock there to go into air conditioning and subject themselves to all sorts of things. I don't know. But great on the box office for things. I think we'll just continue to see it ratchet up, especially since in the MCU, you had the big Endgame movie right before the pandemic and then nothing and then now we're genning back up. So people are starting to get excited about where things are going again. And as the universe gets built over time, I think you're going to see crowds come back to these movies. That's just SP's prediction. All right. I think, Michelle, we have one more news story, but we're going to have to give it to the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Disney Plus correspondent, Agent Chris. This week, we got to see Disney Plus sharing some Loki Emmys for your consideration event photos. Disney will submit the Marvel Studios series starring Tom Hiddleston as the God of Mischief after the events of Avengers Endgame for consideration in the drama categories at the 2022 Primetime Emmys. Following Marvel Studios' foray into television with original series as WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki was the first show to be renewed for a second season on Disney Plus. Season 2 begins shooting this summer, with Hiddleston returning alongside co-stars Owen Wilson, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Wunmi Mosaku, and Sofia DiMartino, and I'm sorry for any names I screwed up there. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige confirmed at Disney's Upfront's presentation that Loki is the most-watched Marvel series on Disney+, outperforming Hawkeye, What If, and Moon Knight. Eric Martin will take over from Waldorn as head writer on Loki's second season from Moon Knight directors Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Loki is such a memorable character, I think because of Tom Hiddleston. Not only is he charming, but he loves the character, and I think he's been the one really been able to keep it going, the driving force. The fact that it's the most watched, that's his star power. That's... His ability to keep Loki fascinating and interesting. I marvel at how popular Loki has remained over these 10 years, less than 10 years, but almost eight or so. I mean, this is, you know, this little character that could. The entire run of Marvel shows, I've liked all of them in their own special way. But there is just something about Loki where you get the continuous story across all the episodes and people keep coming back and wanting to see what's going on. But you can also just jump in and figure out what's going on basically wherever you want. And when you have all these different timelines interconnecting with each other, you get so many possibilities. I love it. I'll be interested to see if any of the Marvel series earned some serious awards. I still think there's this bias against science fiction and comic book movies that they're not serious enough or that they have special effects to add on to the movie experience. So they're not really, they're blockbusters, but they're not really movie art. I hope that changes because you get some 
really good acting, performing, writing, directing, and all these, some of the best storytelling and some of the best entertainment experiences out there are it. And I've still been scratching my head. This is a topic for another day, but I've been scratching my head over how the awards, the Academy, the Emmys can just continually snub some of the the best stuff out there. And I think as the older generation passes on or moves away from controlling interests in those governing bodies, I think you'll see some pivots away from uh, you need to have something that's just theater art and not uh, entertainment experience, which could also be art. But that's just my opinion. And sure, lots of people have other opinions. So feel free to let us know what your opinion on that is. You can get us on our Twitter account at Legends of Shield. You can talk to us on our Discord server at gunnygeek.com slash Discord. Or you can email me at StargatePioneer at gunnygeek.com because I'm sure somebody has something to say about that. All right, that is it for the news this week. I don't know. Michelle, what do you think? I think we should rip the roof off a taxi and get inside this little car and drive away. I mean, it looks like a little car, but when you first see it, it's an actual car. It's an actual taxi that's on the bridge. And he's just trying to get into it like a little go-kart like at an amusement park or something like that. Juggernaut is. And then he races away. And then in a, a comic moment, all the cops start coming at him. So he's got to turn around and go the other way. And he manages to get away by pulling down a stoplight, a, some sort of a streetlight or something like that to get in their way so they can't follow him. And Juggernaut. I don't know if that's his real size compared to his size in other scenes, but they just made it out to, he's a big guy. Can you imagine if his foot is really that big, mixing up the accelerator and the brake or standing on both of them at the same time or something like that? But how is he even able to drive? I don't know, but it's so funny. (laughs) Zoom. All right. Thank you, listener, for watching us or listening to us. We really appreciate you hanging on in there. And we're interested in what you think about our coverage of the X-Men 92 series or anything else. And no, it's a pain. I haven't been talking about this for a while, but it is a pain. I know we mentioned it before to find the series on Disney Plus, unless it's in your previously watched or continuing watching or something like that. You have to scroll quite a ways until you find that or I guess press into the search button which I've never done and search for it maybe that comes up easier either way it's a pain it should be easier to access than it is especially if you're on an account that's been watching it every week it should be more highlighted than it is so the whole Disney plus experience on multiple devices for me really sucks anyway if you have questions about that if you have comments about that I would really like to hear them so thank you listener for watching these shows with us because they're fun to watch at least one more time and we really appreciate you listening to us on the podcast yes thank you everyone who listens or watches our little show we always appreciate it and if you want to hear from me you can follow me on twitter at shell underscore game 
having listeners, we realize that's a giant privilege and you have so many things you could be listening to or could be watching and you choose to spend that time with us and we love all of you for it. And if you want to spend more time with me, yes, I'm actually going to do it. I, there's going to be a new episode of Play Comics this weekend, which I know I said last time, but thunderstorms and a cat who literally wouldn't get off my desk and tried to eat cords while I was editing do not play together very well. So there's going to be an episode. It is going to be about the Spider-Man arcade game. And as we're recording this, today is the 125th anniversary of the Dracula novel coming out. And you can head on over to Play Comics and read a review I wrote on a Dracula prequel comic. I read that review. I was surprised you wrote it. You can actually write, Chris. I was really surprised that there weren't any typos in there. I did such a good job of checking that. The question is, will you read the comic? Well, I read the comic. Horror is not my thing, and I'll throw that into the horror thing. I was thinking about that when I was reading it, and I was like, oh, thanks very much for putting this article out there at playcomics.com, because now I don't have to go read the comic, but that's just me. I just It's not my cup of tea sort of thing, but it was a well-written article, and I look forward to hearing about the series from you. Well, that will definitely happen. All right. In the meantime, we're going to get out of here. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next time. Bye. 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 (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I started re-watching Arrow because I want to find the episode that was that fight that's the epic fight that's in my mind and it could be anywhere yeah. in the first four seasons I don't know but I had it on the Maybe background season two I think it was but I don't know for sure so I just been watching him on in the background as I'm doing other things like working out in the garage working on my comic reorganization project that sort of thing you're absolutely right season one was great it was spot on. It's some of the best superhero television that yeah. I've seen. It was amazing. And to get from there to where we were at season eight, it was like, whoa, because you had the epic fight scenes going on. You really had Oliver wasn't doing a lot of his own stunts back then, or Stephen Amell wasn't. You, you could clearly see that there was some uh, fast cuts back and forth. But the action itself was pretty good. You had some relationship drama that drug it down. It's on the CW. I realized why it put it in there. But if they would have pulled that out, 
it would literally be some of the best television in the last 15 years. You had multiple mysteries ongoing and layered simultaneously. You had family tension within the Queen family and with the Lance family as well. You had the recruiting of Diggle. I've only made it to the first seven episodes right now. So recruiting of Diggle and Diggle becoming part of Team Arrow. Lots of bad guys within Starling City itself. You meet the triad, fight the triad a couple of times. The Lian Yu flashbacks worked tremendously after five years. It just wasn't going to happen anymore. But first five years, it was a great sense in the uh, series. And then you meet Felicity for the first time, or actually first couple of times. I mean, it was, it was great. It was a great series. Yeah, so Arrow, that's going to be a, a fun background thing watching. What a what a great few episodes. The relationship stuff with Tommy and Laurel right now, it's like, eh. Yeah. But I wish they wouldn't have killed Tommy at the end of season one. I know. I don't think that was the right way to go. Berlanti or Guggenheim wanted to make it count. Have their Phil Coulson. I don't think I ever told you guys in here what happened with my computer. So I finally got the computer up and running. The problem is that the i9-12900K processor is designed to take a ton of power. It's designed to work and work and work until it literally melts itself down. So in the BIOS, when you set it up, you have to limit the amount of power that goes to the processor to 241 watts. Intel specs it out between 125 and 241 watts. So if you go above that, you're definitely going to have overheating problems no matter what kind of cooler you put it in there. You could have cryo cooling, like literally pouring cryo coolant over it. And it would take even more power to the point where it would start melting itself down. So you got to limit it somehow. A lot of overclockers, they do voltage regulation. That is not the right thing to do. In my opinion, the right thing to do is just to limit it to the total number of power. It will limit itself a little bit because it wants to take more power. So in a sense, you're overclocking by limiting the amount of power. But that's what I had to do in order to make it work. And it is technically the correct solution so i got that working and then i didn't tell you guys maybe i did my computer kept on like restarting just out of the blue just be like this talking or working or editing and then you know reboot like what is going on i don't know for sure if i have this solved but i unplugged the reset button cord that runs from the header which is where the reset button is on the top of the computer into the motherboard. I just unplugged that one pin and it hasn't done it since. So I might have a faulty case where the reset button was shorting out. So if that's solved and if I don't need a reset button, I mean, Chris, have you ever used a reset button? Can't remember the last time I had a reset button. Right. And Michelle, have you used a reset button or you just use the power button? Power button. Yeah. So you don't need the reset Wait, button. Wait, I take it back. In the first X-Men game for Genesis, you literally have to use the reset button to beat the game. Well, crap. Which means you can't beat it on a Model 3. All right. 
Okay, that's cool. I've never beaten the game, so I don't. This know. has been useless knowledge with Chris. All right. Yep. Alrighty. So let's start running down everything. Chris, you ready to get into it? Yes. All right. Sorry, work went extra long today. Imagine that. People wanting wood. I know, right? And my bosses wanting to get their money for this wood that they got. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. $100 for four pieces of wood. I still can't believe that. It's crazy. Four eight-foot-long boards. Well, two four-by-four, two treated four-by-fours and two one-by-tens. And not like the good special kind of one-by-tens, just normal one-by-tens. I'm not sure if you guys can hear me, but all of my sound has gone away. Oh, you can't hear us? I cannot hear you. All right. Fix it. I've got new podcasting equipment coming in about two and a half weeks. Ooh, what type of equipment? The Rodecaster Pro 2. It's a mixer recorder. Ah. It will replace, you've seen the stack of equipment on the right side of my desk. It will replace yes. all that. All that will go. Well, there's one part of it, which is the power strip, which I still need for other things. Like some lights and some, it's a kill switch for the router and the modem. So I've got contingency plans for that right now, but that whole stack's going to go away. I'm going to put another monitor. Where that whole stack is actually probably this monitor that I'm looking at right now. Get a new monitor for the middle, and then yeah, that's coming in three weeks. Oh wow! Tear out all this wiring. Actually, I'm probably going to start this weekend. Tear out all the unnecessary wiring because I don't use half this stuff anymore. And I had put it together to be a Skyposaurus to do like two or three mix minuses to have uh, probably up to four mix minuses to have four different people on the call. And I just don't need and tend to multi-track to be able to record all the tracks on my, on my own here, but I just don't need to do that anymore. What's it called? A roadcaster pro two. I'll put it in the chat. It's very expensive though. I don't know if you can see the chat or not, but I'm putting it in there right now. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> it was just announced it started leaking last week but it was announced officially on sunday preamp should be good enough to replace my dbx 286s that i have and the whole thing will replace my mixer and i don't think i'll need the compressor anymore and i won't need my h6 anymore so it'll all get ripped out like does it also have like a noise gate or something or yes Is Jubilee ever going to be able to fly a mini jet on her own? When apparently she doesn't kill everything in the simulation? Ah, simulations. Uh, you know, in the Mall of America, at least when I, the last time I was there, there's this like airplane simulation thing. Okay, here's, I did, I did this. I was like, my ex-boyfriend, I'm just like, okay, that sounds interesting. And I got in there and... I'm like trying to, you know, find the enemy planes. It's like World War II, kill them. And I'm just like doing around and eventually they would like reset it. 
and I would still just try to go. And then the guys who run it were just like, you're really way off. We're going to reset you. It was, you do not want me to fly anything. I know I have weird vision and that's part of it. But my goodness, like when I got out of that, these guys were looking at me and I just went, don't worry, I'm never going to fly anything real. And they're just like, yeah, you better not. <laughs> yeah, I've never done that ride, but I've done simulations like that before. And yeah, it, it can be fun. It can be fun. I bet you Chris has done a simulation like that before. Not for a very, very long time, though. You need to come see me. There's a, sim a flight simulator like that. By me i'll take you to it no i'll i'll start walking right now and you know expect to see me in about three weeks there's several bodies of water you might end up meeting namor who knows all right everybody bye 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 legends of shield is copyright 2013 through 2022